Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 42 is a portion of scripture that I've talked about before. Um, and what I love about the Bible is that if you dig into it, you can look at it from all kinds of different angles, all kinds of different realities are at play. And so um, many on our team have heard me speak from this particular passage before, but I want to look at it from a different angle. Mark chapter 5, 21 through 42 says this is a lengthy piece of scripture. Just grab your Bibles, read with me. Today, it says, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Come lay your hands on her so that she can get well. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had entered, her endured much under many doctors. She'd spent everything that she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. And having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothing. For she said, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. At once, Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. The woman, with fear and with trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe. And he did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. Then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, Talitha Cohen, which is translated little girl, I say to you, get up. Notice Jesus uses authority in this moment. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. At this, they were utterly astonished. Today, as we continue on in our series, Sight Unseen, I want to speak to you from the subject, Desperate Faith. Desperate Faith. As we deal with the issues of desperation and faith and how they work themselves out in our lives. I don't know about you, but I do dumb things in desperation. Come on, somebody. Um, somebody once said it like this, never, never shop for food hungry. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You buy all the wrong things. When you should be shopping for produce and meat and, and healthy things, you go straight to the chips and the cookie section. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Or you just grab yourself a box of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> the, the, the crazy thing is, is that when we are desperate, we will make rash decisions. When we are desperate, we will, we will engage in things that maybe we wouldn't have done when not desperate. And I think desperation gets a bad, bad rap many times. We look at desperation, and I think for many of us, we have a negative slant on, on desperation. And if we're not careful, we can turn it into this massively negative issue. But I've come to find 
that desperation can have a very distinct role to play in our lives. More importantly, desperate faith can play a distinct role in our lives, and it can be appropriately one of the most catalytic types of faith that we will ever engage in in our lives. Now remember, in in week one of this series, Sight Unseen, we talked about faith as not just a set of beliefs, not just an ascent to a set of beliefs, but something more guttural, something deeper inside of us that causes us to move into the unknown, sight unseen. And I think for many of us right now especially, we've got to get used to the idea of desperate faith. Unreasonable faith. See, I've come to learn that frustration occurs when there's a gap between, hear me this morning, when there's a gap between where you are and where you want to be. Desperation or desperate faith, I want you to hear this, is the bridge that helps us cross that gap. And for many of us, what we'll do is we will, we will stare at the chasm between where I'm at and where I want to be, and we'll look at this massive gap, this place that we don't know how we're gonna overcome it, and I wanna submit to us today that the only way we move from where we are to where we want to be is not an act of reason, it's not an act of mathematics, it's an act of desperate faith. It's faith that will cause us to leap. It's faith that will cause us to see things differently. It's faith that will push us when the gap seems like it's too big. See, Mark 5, 21 through 43, the piece of scripture that we just read, is an entire moment of desperate faith. See, Jairus was desperate, why? Because his daughter was dying. The woman with the issue of blood was desperate, why? Because she was over her issue. Come on, somebody. Have you ever been so over something before? Have you ever ever been in the place where your frustration's like, here? You're like, I'm over it, I'm done. Desperate faith. Here's, Here's my problem right now, is I feel like the Western American church has lost its desperate faith because we've found ourselves insulated with everything that we have. And few of us are realizing that we don't have everything we need. See, we need to start stepping back a little bit and assessing the fact that there is a gap between where we're at and where God wants us. There is a gap in our nation right now. There is a gap in our world right now. There is a gap between people right now from where we are at and where we want to be. And to ignore that is crazy at best. And the thing that is going to clear that gap, the bridge that is going to be built over that gap only comes by desperate faith. I want to know if anybody needs to get desperate this weekend. Because desperate faith changes everything. And we often ask the question, why don't we ever see miracles? Why don't we see God do some of the things that we read about in the Bible? And I would submit to you, it's not because we lack faith, it's because we lack desperate faith. See, many of us have an ascent to a belief system, but very few of us are willing to get desperate. Desperate faith drives you to your knees. But for some of us, we don't want to get our knees dirty. Desperate faith is what changes everything. David in 
Psalm 63, one through five says this, God, you are my God, I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you, my body faints for you in a land that is dry and desolate and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. See, what was happening is that David was not getting the thing that he needed, water in his dry and desolate place, but rather he decided in that moment that desperate faith was gonna drive him to receive from God, not just water, but living water that changed everything about him. David was a man of desperation. David was a man who was willing to go sight unseen. And the only way that we get there is with desperate faith. And this is what I've come to realize. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes this morning. I have found that it's only when we truly need that all of a sudden we will get desperate. Come on, somebody. Are you, are you hearing me today? It's when we truly need, that's when we get desperate. The problem that we face is that we've been tricked into believing that we have everything that we need. And the problem that I'm facing right now as a, as, as a, as a human I'm looking at my world, I'm looking at myself, I'm looking at others, and I'm going, we have not realized how much we actually need. And I'm just wondering if there's a people watching today that would say, you know what, it's time to get desperate. Because desperation will make us do some things. Desperation will make us step out in ways that we would not step out in in any other format. That's what I wanna look. I wanna look at seven things that we learned from this woman in Jairus in desperate faith. We're gonna try to do this in just as quick as we can. I don't wanna spend a ton of time on them. But I need you to lean in today with me on this. I think this could change the way that we do faith if we would get desperate faith going in our hearts and our minds. Here's the first one. The first one is this. First thing that we, that we learned from the woman in Jairus is that desperate faith will always define our declarations. Desperate faith will always define our declarations. Watch what happens when Jesus crossed over again to the other side. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, watch what happens, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, my daughter is dying, come lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. See, his, desperate, his desperation caused him to believe that Jesus could heal. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you today? See, for many of us, this is a question that we are wrestling with in a very real way right now and in very different seasons and reasons. See, who we declare him to be in our lives is how he will demonstrate himself in our lives. I wanna say that one more time so that we have a hold of this. Who we declare him to be in our lives is how he demonstrates himself in our lives. See, we want him to demonstrate himself, but our declaration does not give him the space many times to do so. See, when was the last time our desperate faith declared Jesus as healer? When was the last time our desperate faith declared Jesus as Lord? When was the last time our desperate faith declared Jesus as the bridge builder? See, for many of us, our declaration of who Jesus is is different than how we need him to be in our lives. But I've come to realize that when my declaration actually connects with who he is, all of a sudden, he demonstrates himself. 
Pentecost Sunday was a bunch of people asking God to demonstrate himself. So the Holy Spirit fell and lives were changed. We need a demonstration of God right now. We don't need niceties, we need a demonstration right now. We don't need a systematic approach to everything that we do right now, we need a demonstration of the Holy Spirit right now because where the Holy Spirit falls, that is where change takes place. And that's what happened right here in Mark. Desperate faith will always define our declaration. What are we declaring right now? See, Jairus laid prostrate before Jesus and he declared, Jesus, please come and heal my daughter. What was his declaration? His declaration was that Jesus was capable of healing. We have no faith background on Jairus. We have no understanding where he was at theologically. I don't really care about his doctrine. All he was was a man who was desperate to see his daughter raised. And for so many of us, we are walking through our faith with all of our theological stances and all of our doctrinal statements and where are you at on this issue and where are you at on this issue and what camp do you sit in? Can I just tell you today that Jairus was not in a camp. The only camp that Jairus was in was a desperate one. He had desperate faith. Our declaration of Jesus is the announcement of who we believe him to be in our lives. So Jairus declared Jesus as a healer. Number two, here's the second thing that we learn is that desperate faith will always dictate our desire. Mark 5, 24 through 28, so Jesus went with him. Now he's going with Jairus and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. Watch this, now a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years. In other words, many scholars and theologians would believe that this issue that she was facing was actually her menstrual cycle for 12 years. As a woman, that's no bueno. She was in pain, and even more was all of the social ramifications of it. She was declared unclean because of this, and because of her uncleanliness, she was pushed out. She was marginalized and maligned, and she was having to be pressed to the corner. So this crowd is now around Jesus, and this woman is standing around the crowd trying to figure out what is next. And she had spent all of her money, and she endured much under many doctors, it became worse. Having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him. This, the audacity of this faith. Because if anybody standing around her would have understood the condition that she was in, even simply pressing against them would have had high charge against her. Six feet of distance has nothing on what would happen to this woman but she pressed all the same. And she said, if I would just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. See, desperate faith will dictate our desire. It'll change how we press. And some of us have given up on pressing because we have suburban faith rather than desperate faith. We have faith that's been dressed up in picket fences and manicured lawns instead of faith that will wander through the forest in order to touch the garments of Jesus. 
Desperate faith. See, desperate faith shifts our focus off the impossible to what is possible through Jesus. Come on, am I, am I talking to anybody today? Desperate faith will always dictate our desire. See, when desperate faith is, is, is working in our lives, it will drive us towards Jesus. And I think one of the greatest reasons there seems to be a gap between us and Jesus is because we just haven't got desperate enough. Oh, I long for the day that our church is desperate. I long for the day when we pull back some of the, some of the warm and fuzzy glasses that we look at the world through and see that what we are in is a broken moment, a broken situation, a broken world, and I pray that we would get desperate right now. I pray that we would get so crazy desperate in our faith right now that it would drive us like this woman through the crowd to Jesus. Here's the third thing that happens and that we understand is that desperate faith will always determine our direction. Same portion of scripture, Jairus is going with Jesus, this woman needs to get to him, and the crowd could have easily, come on, hear me today, could have easily persuaded the woman to go in the opposite direction. Come on, have you ever been there before? How many of you have ever been at a sporting event before, and as you're, as you're leaving the sporting event, and all the cars are, are corralling into one massive line, how many of you are like me, and you start to look for the quickest way out? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're trying to find the corridor that you can get through in the stadium. You're trying to find, like, maybe if I, if I run over this median, if I drive over here, I'm going to be able to get out of that line a lot easier. How many of you are like me that when you're in the grocery store, you assess all of the lines and you try to, like, run people over to get to the shortest line possible? Why? Because it's human nature. I want you to hear this. It is human nature to avoid the crowd until we get desperate. See, it's human nature to try to go the easiest path until we get desperate. See, this woman by nature wanted to hold back and by way of her disease, by way of her issue, she was forced back. But in this moment, her desperate faith dictated the direction and she said, I have to press through. I must go through the crowd. See, desperation sets a determined course. And I've come to realize that even with our faith, for many of us, we try to avoid the crowd with it. Well, right now, we don't need a church that tries to avoid the crowd. We need a church that presses through to get to Jesus. We need desperate faith that pushes through. course built on resolve, no matter how great the obstacle, desperation will determine with great conviction our direction through it. For many of us, the reason that we don't conquer the things that are in our life is because we haven't got desperate yet. We got to get desperate. Come on, somebody. We got to get desperate. The problem, like I said, that we keep on coming back to is I'm starting to realize that many of us don't think we have much to conquer until you stand here like I am today, looking at the world around me, looking at the city around me and many cities around me, and I would say to you, we have a lot to conquer. So the question is, is do our, does our faith get desperate right now? Here's the fourth one. Desperate faith will always deter dread. 
Mark 5, 32, but he was looking around to see who had done this. This is Jesus. And the woman with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. See, there's a lot happening here. First, for a woman in her position, I mean, this is crazy right here, for a woman, a woman in her uh, position to press through a crowd amongst men, let alone to press to the crowd and to touch the teacher, to talk to the teacher, to engage with the teacher was seen as as scandalous at best. But she pushes through all the same. Why? Because desperate faith will always deter dread. At the end of the day, when my faith is desperate, it does not matter what the fear level is. I stop caring at a certain point and I start pushing through. Why? Because I need to get to Jesus. I think this is the reality that many of us are facing today. It's a reality of fear. But the woman pushed through once again because she knew what she had received in Jesus. And her ability to push through was not dependent upon her strength. No, no, no. The ability to push through was dependent upon the resolve of her desperate faith. I hope you can hear my heart on this message this morning because I'm hoping by the time we get to the end of this thing, no matter where you're joining in from today, that we would leave that space desperate, desperate for Jesus. I pray that we just don't go back to normal life. I pray that we walk out of this moment and we just don't go back to normal thinking and normal behaving and normal believing. I'm wondering if we could assess today the gap between where I'm at and where I need to be, the gap between where I'm at and where God wants me to be, and it's in that space that I need desperate faith to build the bridge. It's desperate faith. Number five, desperate faith will always defeat distraction. Come on, somebody. Where are my ADHD people in the house today? Mark 5, 35, while he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house, so he's talking, Jesus is talking to this woman, right? Now remember, Jesus is like supposedly forgotten about Jairus' daughter. So the synagogue leader's house comes and says, your daughter is dead. Watch what they say, why bother the teacher anymore? Why bother him anymore? Let him go, it's done, it's dead, it's over. I don't know about you, but I can get distracted so easily. And I found myself more and more lately distracted with my thoughts. You ever been there before where you just ignore simple things because you're in your head? I don't even know what I'm talking about. Like I just forget everything, I forget my keys, I forget my wallet, I mean, I, I, I forget myself sometimes. I don't know what's going on. Yes, the other day, I was trying to get out of my car to get in the office, consumed by my thoughts, and I literally had to get out of my car, no joke, four times. Four times in my driveway to go back in because I had forgotten four different things that I needed in that moment. Why, because I was distracted. But desperate faith will always defeat distraction. See, desperate faith is the type of faith that counteracts against the draw towards distraction. 
The distraction can be the voices of others. It can be sin. It can be our own wayward hearts and desires that stop us from seeing our miracle. But at the end of the day, what I love about Jairus is that he didn't stop bothering the teacher. Desperate faith will keep you pestering the teacher. Desperate faith will keep you knocking at the door. Desperate faith will keep on pleading with Jesus. Desperate faith will keep you to keep on talking about it. Desperate faith will keep you pushing and pushing and pushing. That's desperate faith. Some of us give up way too easy. And that's because we don't have desperate faith. Come on, how many parents have kids who have desperate faith at times? I don't know what I'm talking about. They ask you once, twice, 45 times, they will not let it go. Dad, 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 hey dad, hey dad, hey dad, 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 hey dad, dad, mom, dad, mom, mom, dad. Constant, constant. Come on parents, how many of you know that it's in that moment that you just like relinquish, you're like, whatever you want, here, take the car, go. They're like, I'm, I'm 10, I know, just leave me alone. Why? Because desperation pushed them. And the crazy thing is, is that for some of us, we stopped getting desperate like that for Jesus and we called it maturity. We called it growth. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm reserved now. You know what's interesting? Is I've found that those of us who call ourselves mature have a tendency to sit on the outside of the crowd and watch everything that's going on <clears throat> instead of pressing to Jesus. Have you ever noticed that maturity has caused us to cross our hands instead of lift them during worship? You ever notice that our maturity has caused us to analyze the words on the screen instead of send our words to Jesus? See, desperate faith will, will, will create change. And it's right here that desperate faith does that. It will defeat the distraction of all these other things. Here's the sixth thing that desperate faith will do is that desperate faith will always deflect doubt. Now, here, here, here's the thing. Jesus enters in right here to this scenario in Mark 5, 36 through 40, where there's a lot of commotion happening in Jairus' house. People are weeping, and they're wailing, and there's commotion, and he only brings a few of his disciples with him. Why? Because there was a lot of doubt in the room in that moment. Can I just tell us today that doubt is going to come? If you experience doubt, don't feel guilt about your doubt. Notice what I said, that it deflects doubt. Deflecting is understanding that it will hit us, but it will not stick to us. Doubt's gonna come. Can I tell you how many times I've doubted a lot of things over these past few weeks? This past year? Can I just be real with you? Can I be a pastor who just shares his heart today? That I've doubted a lot of stuff, but I've also allowed desperate faith to deflect that doubt because there's been many moments where the doubt can start to just, whoa, it comes in on you and it starts to press on you and it starts to push on you, but I've come to find that desperate faith deflects it. It deflects it. I remember walking through crowds with my, with my little kids before. I remember going on vacation. We were in vacation, um, and when I had my kids, and I felt like we were in an unsafe atmosphere or a place where I needed to make sure that I paid attention, my sole purpose in holding their hands was to make sure that I deflected people. I mean, I've legit walked through crowds with my children and gave people shoulders. You can judge me for that, 
But what am I doing? I'm deflecting potential issues from engaging my kids' lives. So they're with me close, and somebody gets too close, and I just bump them a little bit. Shiloh's right here, my daughter, and I bump them a little bit. Why? Because I'm dad, and I'm making sure that anything that can encroach too close, it may get close to her, and it may even kind of touch her, but it's not going to impact her. It's not going to do anything to her. Why? Because I am right here deflecting that. And at the end of the day, desperate faith deflects all of those things. It's gonna get close, it's gonna come in, but my desperate faith deflects it. And Jairus right here could have said, this is done, she is dead. He could have started weeping with everybody else, but Jesus was in the house. Jesus was now a part of the situation. And when Jesus shows up, things start to get up out of their place. Why? Because there was desperate faith. I love how Jesus does this. Watch what he does. He came to the leader's house, and he saw all the commotion people weeping and wailing loudly. And then he goes, why are you making this commotion and weeping? The child's not dead, but asleep. How many of you in that moment would be like, Jesus, you're nuts. So watch what he does. They laughed at him. And he put them all outside. Think about that statement. See, so many of us think that Jesus was like, just like he walked around, he's like, oh, everything is nice. He put them Outside, did you know put is a word that establishes some sort of minimal aggression? Notice the Bible doesn't say he asked them to go outside. He put them outside. Now remember, fully man, fully God. And he put them. There was no politeness about it. Get outside. Feel like he had the ear of one person. <laughs> he put them outside. Why? Because Jairus had desperate faith. Jesus had healing power. And he was deflecting the doubt in the room. And for a lot of us, we're running around thinking change isn't possible. Healing isn't possible. My daughter coming back to Jesus isn't possible. My son coming to Jesus isn't possible. This isn't possible. Breaking my addiction isn't possible. Can I tell you that desperate faith will start to, dic- will start to deflect doubt. And all of a sudden, Jesus gets into that space and he starts moving things out of the room. He's like, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, I need to put you out of here. You, no, you, you, need, you definitely need to go. Like, get out of here right now. Why? Because desperate faith will deflect doubt. And here's the seventh and final one. Is that desperate faith will always depend on Jesus. Desperate faith will always depend on Jesus. Notice that Jairus' daughter didn't get up because he had faith. Jairus' daughter got up because Jesus had power. I fully believe that Jairus had desperate faith. But there's still that piece of me as a man that knows in the back of my mind I'm going, is this even possible? Come on, can we talk real in church today? It's desperate faith. And desperate faith at a certain point will always abdicate to Jesus' power. Desperate faith will always put us in a position where I say, I cannot do this anymore on my own. I need Jesus. 
For some of us right now, we've been staring down some pretty ugly things, not just over the past few days, but the past few months and the past few years. You fill in the blank as to what that is. Today, my, my sole purpose is to encourage us to get desperate. I want to invite